Welcome to the Maze Marketing Podcast. This isn't another podcast about marketing tricks or hacks, but about building effective marketing systems, beating marketing overwhelm, and communicating your expertise. With your hosts, Rob Drummond and Jonathan Wilson. A few subscribers have told me that you often listen to these episodes when you're out and about. Maybe you're out walking the dog, maybe you're on your commute to work, if you have a commute to work at the moment. Um, If it's a bit of a pain to make notes, then we've already made the notes on this episode for you. Um, You can go to mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash 37, so 37, which is the number of this this episode, Uh, and you can opt in for the notes on the on the conversation that you're about to listen to. This conversation is about conversion rate optimization. And Chris Daly, who is our guest, shared two techniques, which I think you'll find really interesting and are immediately applicable to your um, paid advertising strategy. So, so yeah, mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash 37. If you're on the email list anyway, then you should be able to access the notes from the email. If not, just send us a quick email. And someone on the support team will get the notes to you. Having said all that, let's jump in with the conversation. I've been managing Google Ads accounts for other people since 2012. And pretty early into my Google Ads career, I realized that there was perhaps three small hinges that swung big doors in terms of results. One is improving the click-through rate on your ads. Another is improving the conversion rate of your landing pages. And another is increasing the customer lifetime value of the people that buy. And I'm sort of sorry to say really that I've I've kind of focused quite heavily in my work on the first thing, so improving click-through rate, and the last thing, so improving customer lifetime value. And I sort of dabbled a bit in conversion rate optimization. Like, I know what it is. I know what the tools are. um, I don't do it as much as I should do. Um, So I'm really pleased um, today that we've got Chris Daly on. Um, so Chris was introduced to me as a conversion rate expert. Uh, I'm really pleased that he's agreed to come on the show and share some of his, his work and his insights. So Chris, uh, welcome and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Perhaps you can just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the world of conversion rate optimization. Yeah, so I know you guys had uh, AJ Wilcox on your show a few weeks ago. I actually... My very first job in digital marketing was AJ Wilcox trained me in search engine optimization. And uh, so we worked together. I remember uh, him making sure that if I was ever going to go to Wendy's for takeout food, that I had a coupon for it. He was the the market maven of getting cheap food back in those days. Um, But so I started out in the traffic acquisition side of things. SEO obviously is about getting, you know, you're trying to, get your website ranked on Google, but the purpose is to get traffic to the site. And so I'm familiar with kind of what you're talking about in terms of getting click-through rates up, making sure that you are in front of the right audience at the right stage of the funnel for the right intent. I was in search engine optimization for about two years when I, when I encountered a, a challenge that I'm sure that every marketer has. We were getting a ton of traffic, but we were hardly converting anybody. And so, of course, that just begs the question, well, why aren't people converting? And there's usually one of two answers. It's either the people that you're getting to your site are the wrong people 
or in other words, your traffic sucks, or your website isn't addressing what people are looking for, or in other words, your website sucks. And so, of course, as a marketer, I just refused to accept that the traffic sucks. And so then the alternative was, well, let's look at the website. So I started asking around um, some of the designers that worked at the company I was at. I was like, what do you think is going on with their website? Why do you think people aren't converting? And like, oh, it's not the design. The design looks amazing. So it's definitely not the design. Um, and, and that just, they, they wrote off the question so quickly that I was like, you know, I think we ought to, we ought to figure something out here. So I did some searches on Google. This was about eight years ago and discovered an AB testing tool. It actually was just for landing pages, Unbounce. So I ran my first A-B test through Unbounce and, uh, and I, I decided let's just take one of our landing pages and I'm just going to use one of these Unbounce templates. I'm going to plug my content into their template and I'm just going to see what happens. Our designers looked at the template and said, you can't put our content in there. That looks terrible. Uh, but I said, you know what? We're just going to run the test. So we run, ran the test and the template converted like 25% better than our really beautiful professional design. And as soon as I saw that result, I mean, we got 25% more conversions, you know, within like a week. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I was hooked. And, and of course, the question that comes up as soon as you see a huge gain in conversion rate like that is, well, why? Why did this work better? Um, and that, honestly, that question of why, what is it that's driving people to convert? That's the question that has been really just driving me for the last eight years as I have specialized further in conversion rate optimization. So that's kind of how I got into the space. That's one of the alluring things, isn't it? Because you can see that conversion rate has gone up, but, um, but you can't see what people are doing normally really while they're on the website, unless you're standing behind them or, I mean, there's some tools that give you a clue, I guess, like Hotjar, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you can figure out why something is, is, is not converting, like, I think as well, like if you, if you double the conversion rate, like you haven't affected any of your traffic costs. If you double your yeah. click-through rates, you, you, you kind of double your, well, you don't necessarily double your, your ad spend, but your ad spend <laughs> goes up. Um, yep. It's, it's, it, it, it's quite a big win, um, especially when, I don't know, like, I'd be interested in Jonathan's take on this, but like most of the new accounts that I take on, I look at the website and I just sigh internally and I'm like, oh, and then I speak to their web designer and I'm kind of repressing a rant about web designers. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes they're competent, sometimes they're not. Um, it, the, the ones that are competent rarely understand conversion rates, optimization and this sort of thing. Um, well, actually, let, let me just jump in real quick. I'm going to challenge that because in my mind, a competent designer is someone that doesn't think they know everything. Uh, a competent designer is someone that is trying to design what the audience wants. Um, in, in my experience, the worst designers are the ones who are so caught up in the creative side of things on best practices, on what things should look like, on what colors go well together, that they don't ever think about what the customer actually cares about. So a, a great designer in my mind is someone that is willing to sacrifice a design best practice for the sake of what the audience wants. Yeah, it's a focus on the audience instead of the brand. Yes, exactly. Mm. Great, so, um, so yeah, so what, what came next, I guess? Um, and 
what have kind of been some of your biggest insights from from, from doing this? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing was, you know, when I first started doing conversion rate optimization, when I first started running A-B tests, the first problem is, okay, well, that first test that I ran, I mean, it was just some template against the, the current landing page. There was no methodology. I had no idea why that new template worked better, just that it did. Now, that's actually where most people get stuck in A-B testing is in that stage right there. It's like you tested a big idea, it worked better. You don't really have any idea why. And so you just keep doing big template tests like that uh, because you don't really know how to get much deeper than that. And so that's where I was. And so the first thing that I needed to do is figure out, well, what do you test next? So if you test one web design or one landing page design against another and it works well what's the next step what do you do next and i mean the real question is how do you know what to test right um how do you decide what is a good a b test and frankly this question and this methodology applies to any marketing medium you need to ask the same question if you're writing ads if you're testing ad copy well what do we test in ad copy do we test the images do we test the headlines do we test the descriptions do we test all three together do we test the landing page destination? Like, you know, what exactly do you test? Of course, the question is yes, you should test all of those things. Um, but what, what I first did, I mean, so when I was very first getting started, there wasn't a whole lot of information out on the web about A-B testing methodologies. And so I kind of invented my own. And, and what I did was I said, well, you know what, for all I know, every single thing on this page is affecting conversion rates. So I'm just going to start with one thing and just work my way through the landing page. So let's start with the copy and let's test different copy. And if that doesn't work, then let's test the image. And if the image doesn't work, then we'll test the button. And if that doesn't work, we'll test the layout. I mean, you know, I, I, I wasn't quite this methodical at first. It was just like, okay, well, I know that, you know, that these things were different. So let's go through and test some of these individual things. So I mean, that's one critical aspect with A-B testing is you've got to isolate, you have to drill down to specific learnings. When you test one landing page template against another, there's usually not one specific learning. There's usually like 15 things that were different. And so you don't really learn anything, right? So if you t if you test the, if you change the content and the image, you don't know if the change in if the change in performance was due to the content or the image, basically. Yeah, and usually you want to know what happens, which is so funny, is you'll test two different designs against each other and they perform the same. I see this happen all the time with website redesigns. They perform the same, and so you assume that you didn't really impact anything. But when you actually break apart a landing page design. I've done this for a lot of my clients who will say, hey, we have this new website design that we want to test. And I'll say, okay, cool, let's test the new design, but let's break it up. Because look, you've changed your navigation and you've changed your hero banner and you've changed your content and you've added products. So let's break it down. Let's test each one of those things. And you know what happens most of the time is half of the changes increase conversion rates, half of them decrease conversion rates. And so if you test all of them together, it looks like there's no impact. But when you split them apart, it's like, oh, look, the new navigation actually decreases conversion rates. 
But look, the new hero banner increases conversion rates. Okay, well, it's a good thing we split these up into, into individual variations because now we know the new hero banner works. Let's push that. But we don't want that new navigation, right? And so, uh, so that's one of the first things that you need to do. And that's basically what I did as I was learning how to A-B test is I said, what are all the things that we changed on this new landing page template? Oh, well, we changed the layout. We changed where the content, like the order of the content. We changed what the call to action looked like. We changed the image. So let's go through and let's test those one at a time. Image, then let's run a test on the call to action, then let's test the content. So that was like kind of my first baby steps into A-B testing was, okay, let's just break down this design that we tested and let's just test each individual element one thing at a time. Because if you change like six different elements and the, and the net change is kind of the same, it's like, well, that's kind of an average. It's hiding some kind of outliers, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and that's, so one other thing that is really, um, one other thing that I think gets a lot of people stuck in A-B testing, I see this all the time when I'll, I'll ask companies, have you ever done A-B testing on your website before? And most of the time they say yes. And I'll say, okay, tell me about your A-B test. And they'll say, oh, well, we made this, we, we redesigned our website and we launched it and we compared our conversion rates after the launch to our conversion rates before, which of course, anybody who's a marketer knows, well, that's not an A-B test. That's just a launch. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the, the other problem that happens when you do it that way is like you, like you were just talking about with outliers or things that might be um, skewing your data is your conversion rates might've just been different this week, no matter what, right? I mean, it's like maybe COVID hits again this week and there's a new uh, quarantine. And so everybody's stuck inside. So of course people's online behavior is going to change drastically and it might have nothing to do with your website or maybe there's a hurricane that hits Louisiana. And so, you know, everyone's in a hotel, you know, I mean, there's just so many different things that can affect your conversion rates. So if you don't run a true AV test where you're splitting traffic 50, 50 or 33, 33, 33, whatever, um, you know, if, if you're not really truly splitting traffic over the same time period, you're not going to get any of the data. So, but, but back to what I was saying, where I see a lot of people get stuck with AV testing is they'll run one, idea against their current idea. So, so we can talk about this in terms of ads. If I'm testing um, a new headline and, and it's just an AB test, or in other words, I have a headline right now, and let's just say I'm in the education space and my current headline is sign up for classes today. And I'm like, you know what? I think that we should test a new headline that is about government grants. And so I, it's like, okay, my AB test is, get government grants for school against sign up for school today. Okay. Part of the problem here is I only have one idea. And so, and so if it doesn't work, well, shoot, I didn't really learn anything other than people don't like the government grants thing. If it does work, I also didn't really learn anything other than people like the government grant language. And so one, so one of the other things that I had to learn early on was figuring out, um, how do I make a test impactful? Like, how do I make sure that I'm actually learning something from a test? I can't tell you how many times when I was very first starting A-B testing, I would run a test and somebody would come back and go, well, why did that happen? Like, what did we learn from that test? And it's like, 
I don't know. We just increased conversion rates by 20%. So it doesn't really matter what we learned. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you'll get a lot of people excited with a 20% gain in conversion rates, but you won't make permanent progress because you didn't learn anything. So what I, what I do now, what I learned was you need to have a question that you're trying to answer. You've got to have something you're trying to learn. And so with every test I run for my clients, I, I start with a business question. The business question is what is it that we want to learn here? So for that headline test that we were talking about, we might ask the question, what value proposition should we have in our headline? Okay, so now we've just expanded our vision for this test because government grants might be one of many value propositions we could put in our headline, right? And get started today, the value proposition there is urgency, right? And so, but that, those aren't all the value propositions that we could test. So if my question is what value proposition should we have in the headline, all of a sudden it opens up my mind to all kinds of new ideas. And so instead of just having my current version and the government grants, I'm going to also test uh, online classes, meet tons of new people, uh, locations all over the country, uh, tuition as low as, as $200 or whatever. You know, so now I'm going to have like six different value propositions that I'm testing and I'm definitely going to learn something here. I'm going to learn which value proposition out of all of those is the most important, matters the most to my audience. So I'm going to come out of that test, even if my existing variation wins that says sign up today, I'm going to come out of that test knowing that urgency is the most compelling value proposition for my audience. It's more compelling than tuition. It's more compelling than government grants or location or online classes. That is the most important thing to my audience. And so soon as I know that, now I'm a smarter marketer. Now I can think about my descriptions and I can think, hmm, should my description support that value proposition or should it be focused on a call to action, right? Now that lead just leads me naturally into the next test. So anyways, so I know I just that, kind of unloaded. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I mean, if you find that one particular value proposition works better, I mean, you could also leverage that elsewhere. Like you don't oh, yeah. just you don't just have to use it on that particular web page. It can, it can appear in email subject lines, or at least in important emails. If you if you've got a particular email that goes out after someone has attended a webinar that is inviting them to sign up for your program, it's like well that that insight into that into which value proposition works suddenly becomes really important. Exactly, and if and and again, that's where you can really I mean the power of A/B testing increases exponentially as you leverage those learnings across different marketing platforms and channels. I mean, you, 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 and I'm, and one thing that you find sometimes is sometimes something works really well on your landing page and it doesn't work well on your ads, but then that just brings up new questions, right? Then the next business question is what order do they need to see my value propositions in? Maybe they first need to see the urgency and then they need to see the, savings amount or the government grants or the tuition amount or whatever, you know, and I'm just thinking of education because school's starting right now. So it's fresh on my mind, but, um, but I mean, those are things that like, no matter what, what you're marketing with, you're marketing iPhone cases, you're going to ask yourself, what do they need to see first? So do we need to start by talking about the quality of the product? Do we need to start by talking about the variety of options? Do we need to start by talking about, the price and how much, how competitive it is or how expensive it is, um, you know, or the fact that it's made in the USA from recycled materials. Like what are the things that matter here? Um, and what order do they need to see it? And it's, I mean, it's just, again, you all, if, if you do good AB testing with 
good questions where you're learning things, you'll never run out of things to test. Because <laughs> each test unlocks a new door that you go through and it unlocks three new doors that you go through, right? Yeah, there's, there's a degree of thinking up front that you're doing. Like you're not just opening like visual website optimizer and deciding to like test some stuff today. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's, that's not the right approach of doing this. Just like you wouldn't like, just like you wouldn't open the, well, you shouldn't open the Google ads interface and just start writing an ad. You know, you should do yes. the thinking before it. Exactly, exactly. I think what's interesting to me um, I'll let Jonathan jump in at the moment and ask some questions too. But like, I think what's interesting to me is like a lot of what you've just been talking about is content changes. And I think one of the reasons that people don't do this is because they don't have the design skills. They think, oh, creating a new web page or a new landing page format, it's quite intimidating. It requires a degree of specialist skills. But if you're, if you're testing a different value proposition, like you're just changing the wording on the page really. You're not really changing exactly. anything else. And frankly, those are some of the most impactful changes. So, I mean, you asked earlier, what are, the, what, are, what are some of the most impactful things? I mean, there, there, are, there are lots of things that are impactful, but typically, honestly, the, the most impactful thing, I mean, this is, I'm gonna generalize here. This is not true for everybody, but the most impactful thing that I've seen in general is number one, what value propositions do you have on your page? this is for landing page and number two where are they so a lot of times i mean you know i'm guessing that everybody who, that most people who listen to this podcast are marketers um you know if you're a marketer and i asked you what are your value propositions you could probably spit out a list of 10 to 20 value propositions like instantly off the top of your head without even thinking about it um and then if I asked you, well, which one is most important out of that list or which two or three are most important? Well, then things start to break down. I mean, it's like, it's like when my little four-year-old will start asking me questions about how flowers grow, I can usually answer her first question, but she very quickly gets beyond my depth of knowledge. And it's like, well, why, why, why does water make the, why does water make the seed sprout? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't have the foggiest clue. Um, you know, and so the same thing applies here. If I, if I say, what are your value propositions? You could probably give me a list. If I asked you which one is, is the one that gets people to fill out your form or buy your product, nine out of 10 marketers couldn't tell me. And, and the one out of 10 marketer that could tell me is probably BSing. You know, he's probably telling me like based on some anecdote, of, well, I talked to this one customer and they said it was this one thing. And it's like, okay, well, that's not data. That's just some story that you heard from one person. So, um, so a very simple test. So we're going back to value propositions are super um, impactful. The first test that I will typically run on a site is I will test what value proposition should we focus on at the top of the page? And I will run an AB test where, where I have four variations of the page and each one has a single value proposition that it focuses on. So again, you know, if, if you're an attorney and you are uh, an attorney is a bad example because they're, they're boring. Um, no, they're not boring, but usually they, they typically have, you know, they're not great. They're not great at marketing. <laughs> no, I apologize for all the lawyers listening to this, but, um, but okay. So if, if we go back to like the school thing, right. If, if I have a landing page and my headline or my, uh, my 
con my body, my paragraph that's above the fold. And if I don't have a, if I don't have a paragraph that's above the fold, well then that's a, that's the first test is let's test adding some content above the fold. And then, but again, the focus is going to be, what is the focus of that content? Should I focus the content on, um, on the benefits that we offer? So here's all the stuff that you get when you go to our school, right? Should I focus the content on the pain point, right? Like, are you tired of making $15 an hour? You know, you want to unlock your potential or whatever it is that you're going to say on your page. Um, so we've got a benefits variation where we write a paragraph of content that's benefits focused, a paragraph of content focused on pain points, a paragraph of content that um, is focused on one single value proposition, like uh, the cost of tuition and how ours is better than 90% of schools out there. Um, a variation that focuses on the quality of education. So our teachers are better than 90% of the schools out there because we've got whatever, you know, we have, actual, uh, you know, industry experts teaching our classes. Um, another variation where you talk about how all classes are online and how you can do it at your own speed, right? I mean, you test all, all those against each other. You're gonna learn something really quickly. And that's it, like you said, it's an easy, easy test to run. If you have a paragraph of content, it's literally just rewriting that content. You can make this test in like 30 minutes. The next test that I typically run after this so that's test number one. Test number two, once we find our winner, is how much content do they want about that thing? So do they want one sentence or a paragraph or three paragraphs or three bullet points, right? There's another four variations. And, and it's really interesting to see. Um, I, I had a client actually a little while ago uh, that was in the uh, medical space. So they make um, – they make – hereditary cancer uh, tests that doctors give to patients, right? So they are marketing to doctors. So I look at their landing page and I go, wow, um, you guys have a ton of content on here. And they go, of course we do. We're marketing to doctors. They're smart. They read a lot. And I'm like, well, how do you know they read a lot? And they're like, well, I don't know. We just assume because they're doctors. And it's like, okay, well, hey, let's run a test. They assumed. I think that's the key word, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And so we ran a test where we tested less content. We tested more content. We tested dumbs down content because they had lots of medical jargon on their page. And we actually had two variations that won, the one that dumbs down the content and the one that dramatically decreased the amount of content. And we literally doubled the conversion rate on the page, doubled the conversion rate just by changing the amount of content. And so again, and I've seen the opposite happen too. I ran a test for social media examiner on the social media examiner blog. And, uh, uh, you know, Mike Stelzner who runs social media examiner was like, we should test more content on this page. And I'm like, dude, there's no way people, you already have too much content on this page. People are going to want less content. But of course we ran the test, more content, I guess less content. And people did want more content. And it drove me absolutely nuts. Cause I hate when, you know, I hate when, uh, when people, when, when, when other people guess the, the outcome of test results correctly, but I love when I'm proven wrong. That's one of the other things I love yeah. uh, that I think marketers can do well adopting is having an attitude of, I want to be proven wrong. Cause if I'm proven wrong, that means I'm, I'm learning something right now. Yeah. Right. But those are easy tests. Content tests are easy. I feel like, um, 
a lot of what you've just been talking about is the assumptions that people make. And we all make, I think we all make assumptions because otherwise when it comes to putting a page online, there are so many tactical decisions to be made yeah. that it's easier to make. That, that you, you basically have to make some assumptions about what people want. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise you never get anything done. So yep. I guess what, what you're doing is coming in from an external perspective and questioning some of these assumptions that have been made, I guess. Yes, and well, and, and you're absolutely right. You have to start somewhere, right? I mean, like you, you have to just get a landing page up sometimes. Um, but, but the dangerous part, here's, here's what I see happen over and over and over again. People make a bunch of assumptions and at the time they recognize that they are assumptions. They build a landing page or a website they launch it and then it starts to work well. Now this is like the danger of success uh, is you just assume now all of those things that were assumptions before, you just assume that all of those things worked. And so now they're no longer, in your mind, they're no longer assumptions. In your mind, they are fact now. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have with businesses where I say, well, why do you have a scrolling banner on your homepage? And they'll go, well, we, we, designed this new site and it worked really well. So people, so our audience likes scrolling banners and it's like, well, hold, hold on, hold on. You just jumped from A to Z, man. Like you just went from a completely new design to people like scrolling banners, but you didn't actually have that data. You just knew that your new site worked better. What if people hated the scrolling banner, but they liked the rest of your site, you know? And so, and so that happens all the time where, we, we start to lose track of what are our assumptions. And so that's where like my recommendation is you need to keep a log or a list of what are the learnings that you have data proving. And, and when did you learn that also? Because, uh, you know, occasionally I'll encounter companies that'll say, oh, no, no, we did A-B test that. I'll say, well, when did you A-B test it? Three years ago. Where is your documentation of that test? And can you show it to me? Because yeah. otherwise, otherwise, it's just an assumption, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, you may not have documentation. And second of all, you might have run the test three years ago. And guess what? Your audience is totally different now than it was three years ago. Even if you have the same people in your audience, their behavior has changed because online behavior changes dramatically every single year. And so if you haven't tested, if, if you have a data point that tells you something about your audience that's like more than a year old, you need to go back and test that again. I mean, it's not data anymore. <laughs> it's, it's ancient history. I just want to hammer home the point really that like the learning out of this is so important. And like the learning of what you tested like a year ago, like you, like you have to make notes on these things and take, you know, take screenshots of the two pages. Yes. You know, if nothing else, put the bit of word document, record how many, how many visits each one had, what the conversion rate of each one was. So you got that trail of testing documentation, I guess. Especially this yeah. year, I mean, if there's ever been a year when last year's data does not apply to the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, so I wanna say something on that because I mean, so with the COVID stuff, there's a whole new list of assumptions that business owners are making. So, so here's, here's the deal. I think it's unquestionable that user behavior has changed, right? It's, it's, it's beyond question because I mean, well, we see it in the market, right? The marketplace is all over the freaking place. Um, conversion rates all are, are all over the freaking place. Um, if you're in e-commerce, uh, your conversion rates probably doubled or tripled 
in the month of March and April, and now they're back down or maybe even lower than they were before. And business owners are going, well, what the heck is going on, right? I mean, so it's obvious that things are changing. The problem is, and I keep seeing this with companies that I talk to, the problem is we're doing it again. We're making assumptions again about what changed. It's like, well, our conversion rates tanked and it's because people don't have money because they're out of jobs, right? Because the unemployment rate's so high. And it's like, uh, is that really it? Well, then how come Amazon is doing so much in revenue right now? People are, people have money. They're obviously spending money. Maybe your messaging is the problem. Maybe you're not messaging in a way that shows them the value of your product or service, right? I mean, that goes back to value propositions, but, but that's where testing can help us. If we have a, if we have an inquisitive mind, if we're willing to ask good business questions, we can learn what's changed about our audience. It's just really dangerous if we start making assumptions. Oh, user behavior has changed because, and then we fill in the blank with whatever our hunch is. I also feel as well, like if we are heading for the recession that's kind of predicted, I think um, getting good at conversion rates, uh, you know, improving your conversion rates, like that's, that's a pretty critical skill along with perhaps building a more sophisticated customer follow-up system to nurture all of the leads that you're currently letting fall through the cracks. And even without a recession, I mean, there's, there's the endless undeniable fact that CPCs rise from year to year, right? And that, that yeah. is not going to change recession or not. So you got to have another way to combat that. It, it feels to me like, like it is stopping people who are falling through the cracks. Because I guess, you know, if, someone, if you look at your website visitors, some of those people are never going to buy anyway. They're just they're the wrong traffic source or whatever. Some will buy regardless of how bad the website is. And yeah. it's the people in the middle that are that you want to focus on the people that might buy if they see the right messaging exactly. but they're, they're kind of they're kind of falling through the cracks because of you made assumptions yep so it's like well how best can you go about plugging those gaps and stopping them from falling through yeah okay so so the first thing that i'll say is um you typically won't see these gaps in your analytics reports um most people don't do conversion rate optimization because they don't think they need conversion rate optimization. It's like you look at your landing page and it has a decent conversion rate, you know? So let's say you're in lead gen and you've got a, you've got a 10% conversion rate on your landing page and you go, all right, well, we just need to drive better quality leads now. And so let's just, let's improve our ad targeting, right? Let's try to target better. But it's like, well, hold on. Again, you made an assumption that your landing page is great. But like you just said, Rob, like, there are people who are falling through the cracks or, or in other words, maybe it's not people that are falling through the cracks. Maybe it's just, there are people that you could convert that you're not converting right now. Um, and so, and so the first thing that you need to do is you need to, you need to get a strategy together to figure out where are the conversion levers. This is mostly what I do with my clients. We're, we're investigating where are the conversion levers on our site? So if I have a, an e-commerce website, there's multiple steps to my funnel here. There's the home page, collections pages, product pages, the add to cart experience, the cart page, the checkout page, right? I mean, and then there's, there's variations of that in between, but I mean, there's essentially like six major steps in your funnel. So the first thing you need to figure out is, well, where can I influence conversion rates? Um, my experience is, 
is that each step of the funnel is not created equal. So uh, surprisingly, a lot of times the home page is far more influential than most other pages on the site uh, because it's either a starting point for people on your website or it is a place that they will go if they land on your site and don't like the landing page, right? So if you send them to a product detail page or collections page and they don't like it, typically they'll go to the home page from there. And so, so anyways, so the home page a lot of times is very influential. And so, but what you need to do is you need to say, okay, let's run a test on the home page. Let's run a test on the collections page. Let's run a test on the product page. I mean, you don't have to start with the whole funnel. You can start with your, you know, major three pages. Or if it's a lead gen site, you might say, let's start with our home page, with our info page, and with our form page. I've right. seen them on, so I, I manage a few e-commerce websites. So I manage the ads for a few e-commerce websites. And I've seen recently that um, we've improved the conversion rate by we've improved the conversion rate by sending people to the homepage directly instead of sending people to a more specific product page. Yes. Which, which is completely baffling and it drives me nuts because it should be the opposite. So like it should be the, the more specific place you send people to. And I think it's because if it's, if it's not a known brand, that the first question that people ask is like, well, who is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I trust this website? Should I add my payment details into this website? So they're going to go to the homepage. They're going to go to the about page. Well, one of the other things too with, e- I mean, this is, you know, we're specific to e-commerce, but one of the things with e-commerce is people want to shop, right? I mean, so imagine if you took someone to Walmart and you blindfolded them and walked them into one aisle of products and you said, here's the baby bottles. Immediately, they're, what they're probably going to do is they're immediately going to look around and say, what else do they have in here? All right? Like, so, so part of the, reason that home pages tend to work well is it's like a choose your own adventure thing. It's like, we're not, we're not taking you straight to a product page and telling you to buy this one product. We're going to let you find the right product page. People really like feeling empowered and feeling like they chose the product that they ended up seeing, even though they choose it when they click on an ad. But when you, but when you choose a product and you click on an ad and you know that that company has other products, the question is just, constantly in your mind, am I sure this is the product I want? Right. And so anyways, so, so we go back to this, you know, to this point of conversion levers. Okay. So if our homepage is a major conversion lever, well, we need to make sure we start testing some of the big things that are on my, are on our homepage. So here's where I typically start. I start with a test I call an existence test. So, I mean, I, I mentioned that one of the places that I will start is value propositions and that's true if you're on a page that has value propositions. Now home pages do have value propositions, but if you're on if if you're an e-commerce site or even a lead gen site, your home page is a combination of value propositions and call to actions. Right? So you are if you're an e-commerce website, you are going to have a bunch of stuff on your home page. And almost always you have too much stuff on your home page. You're going to have your categories of products you're going to have your best selling products. You're going to have your new arrivals. You're going to have some dumb hero banner. That's like whatever your latest product was. You're going to have I, your Instagram. I, I hate feed those hero banners. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have your Instagram feed for some reason. You're going to have, I mean, and then like a subscription widget. Right? I mean, you've got all this stuff. And all of those widgets. Oh, they, they slow the page down. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to converse if it takes 10 seconds to load. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're slowing down load speeds, but you're also giving people a ton of crap that they probably don't want. So I start with an existence test on something like a homepage. And, and what an existence test is, this is also another very easy test to build. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna create one variation for each element on the page where I remove that thing. Again, in VWO or Google Optimize, it's as simple as clicking on the element in the visual editor and clicking remove or hide. And what that does is, so you're gonna have five variations. Variation one is removing our hero banner. Variation two is removing our best sellers. Variation three is removing our Instagram feed or whatever. What that is going to immediately do is it's gonna help us find out what is helping our conversion rates and what is not. There's always at least one thing on each page of your site that is gonna be hurting conversion rates. So that's one quick way that you can start to stop, uh, you, can, you can start to identify where some of that bleeding is happening or where some of that drop off is happening. Because a lot of times what happens is you have too much stuff on the homepage and people click on it. So people click on um, one of your best selling products because they're like, well, if it's a best seller, then it must be a good product. When in reality, they're not that likely to buy your best selling product. They actually would rather see a different product, but they just click on it because it's there. They end up on your product page. They don't like the product. And instead of going back to the homepage and shopping, they just leave. And so if you take off your best sellers, and again, I'm not saying that best sellers are not good to have on there. I'm just saying, you're, you're going to find something on there that is taking people down a black hole that they never come back out of. And so, so anyways, existence tests are one of the best places to start. If you want to try to figure out where are we losing people, what's not resonating with people, that's a, a quick and simple way to start learning that stuff really, um, really simplistically. So you, you, so you're kind of starting off and you're testing different propositions, first of all, and then you're kind of doing this existence test to validate that the items that you've got on the page are actually helping you rather than, rather than hindering you. Um, and both of those things are really actionable. Like for anyone that, you know, you don't need particular design skills to be able to do any yeah, of this. Those are su I actually want to underscore that. This is super actionable for anybody, yeah. even if, you're not a copywriter. You don't know what to say. Like, I think a lot of people probably approach CRO with a mindset of, well, what else are we supposed to say instead? And, and, you know, obviously you need to answer that question, but I think a lot of people couldn't answer that off the cuff, but starting by taking things off the page that may be hurting you is literally a brain dead. You don't have to think about it kind of test. <laughs> yes. If you combine that with the fact that almost everybody, and I don't know, maybe this doesn't apply to really big corporations, but we work quite a lot with entrepreneurs who are trying to bootstrap, trying to get things going from the ground up on their own. They may or may not have a marketing team and uh, they have most of those people, I would say 90 to 99% of those people have just selected a template, right? They went to Big Commerce, Shopify, exactly. or yep. worst of all, they went to Theme Forest, which guess what's on Theme <laughs> Forest? That place is, is run by a pack of designers, right? Not by, <laughs> not by marketers. And so exactly. testing the removal of elements is probably the most beneficial and the easiest thing you could start with. I well, one other, let, me just, let me just add one last thing because the, the obvious concern that people have when I tell an e-commerce company, we have a test, we have a variation in this test where we're removing your best sellers or we're removing your hero banner. Of course, the immediate fear is, well, what if our sales tank, right? So the great thing about
about these existence tests is it's a win no matter what happens. If your conversion rates drop because you removed the hero banner, well, guess what? Now you have definitive data telling you that the hero banner works, right? And so now you don't have to question that. When you go back and you do a, a website redesign and you say, should we have the best sellers on there or not? You can go, oh yeah, we should have it on there. Cause when we took it off, our conversions dropped by 15%. Right. And so it's like, it's a win, win, no matter what, cause you're going to, you're either going to validate what you have on there or you're going to find something that's harming conversion rates. Either thing is good. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're ruling out possibilities based on real data. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Chris, I'm really sorry to say that we're coming to the end of our time here. Um, so what I would love to do, well, I think first, I mean, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of this. <laughs> um, so you know I, I mean I'd, I'd love to have you back and sort of continue this you know, thread another time absolutely I would love that um, where can people find out more about your work that you do and you know get in touch with you sure yeah my, my website is uh, smart-cro.com um, and yeah I mean if, if anyone will, or, I mean I'm also on LinkedIn if people want to look for me on LinkedIn it's just Chris Daly, uh, my last name is D-A-Y-L-E-Y. -Y. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would love to take a look at, you know, if anyone has a website they'd like me to take a look at and, and give kind of some testing recommendations, I'm, I'm available for that. That's awesome. Who, describe who uh, ideal fit for you is. Like what kind of people can you, do you feel like you're able so to? I, so I typically work with e-commerce companies uh, and not, that I don't ever work with uh, lead gen companies, but e-commerce is such an easy place to do CRO because if you increase conversion rates, you increase revenue, right? Um, one of the challenges that can happen on lead gen is you increase conversion rates, but now our leads suck, right? <laughs> Cause we said get free money from Trump and <laughs> everyone signed up, but no <laughs> one has money. Um, and so, so anyways, I typically focus on, uh, I, I typically work with e-commerce companies um, and, uh, you know, typically companies that are either in the process of scaling or looking to scale, that's an excellent time to start doing conversion rate optimization is if you're about to scale, you're about to spend more money on ads, you definitely want to make sure your conversion rates are dialed in. So that's typically where my clients are at. What sorts of like, um, I guess, I guess what sorts of traffic volume do you need to be doing this really? Well, I mean, so you, you can be anywhere. Uh, the truth is you can start running tests as soon as you launch a new site. Um, I typically suggest when people are launching a new company that they start out with an A-B test on their new site. Um, it, the more traffic you have, the more variations you can run. So if you have a brand new website and you're only going to be getting, you know, 100 visitors a month or something, like you need to have just one test variation, which I know breaks the rule that I set earlier that you need to have lots of variations, but uh, you're gonna start small. So typically the bigger, the bigger, the, I mean, I, I usually start getting involved with companies once they have 10,000 visitors a month or so or more, um, but only because the more traffic you have, the greater the revenue impact is gonna be when you increase conversion rates, right? And so you know, I'm obviously not working for free. And so I need to be able to justify how much I'm charging my clients. And so typically the more traffic companies have, the bigger the revenue impact that we have. 
but that shouldn't stop people from testing. I mean, I've heard CRO people talk before and they're like, oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't start testing until you have whatever, 20,000 or 100,000 visitors a month. And I think that that's BS because you can start learning stuff about your audience from the get-go. You just might need to let a test run for a lot longer. Because it's like a modus, it's like a modus operandi, isn't it? It's like a way of operating that you just have an A-B test running on your key pages exactly. at any given point in time. And that is, it, it sets you in good stead for later on when you have the bigger traffic because you've already been doing the testing. You've already been refining your testing skills and building up your log of insights. Um, and that's exactly. Only, that's only going to set you in good stead. Exactly. And I mean, you know, your first test, if you're, if you're launching a new company, your first test might run for three months, right? And then your next test, because now you're scaling up your traffic, your next test might run for one month. And then your next test after that might run for two weeks, right? I mean, as you continue to increase your traffic, you'll get results a lot faster. But you know what? Even if you have to let a test run for three months, I would rather be gathering A-B test data for that three months rather than operating totally in the dark. Yeah. So I, I think that everyone should be testing regardless of what stage of their business they're in. Great. Just remind us of your website again, smart-crv.com. Yep, that's right. Perfect. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for coming on, Chris. And um, yeah, I'd love to have you on again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was an excellent conversation and I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Sweet, thanks. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Most Marketing Podcast, you'll definitely want to make sure you're on our email list. Sign up for free at www.mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash hello. Also, before you go, please have a think. Who's the one person you know who really needs to hear this? Please forward along this episode. It just helps to spread the word. Thanks.